All right, uh, will you turn to 1 Corinthians 14 and Ephesians chapter 6, all right? In other words, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 14 and then put a marker uh, at Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll flip over there later. This is the last message uh, in our series, My Best Friend, the Holy Spirit. And just to let you know, we'll begin another series uh, in a few weeks called My Best Friend, Jesus. And uh, so I'm gonna, we're going to talk about Jesus after this, and then we'll probably do another one after that, my best friend known the other guy's name. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I think there's three of them in there. Okay. But we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I've been really um, just interested by the titles that the Lord's given me and how to approach this subject. You know, we talked about, is he Pentecostal? Or is he charismatic, you know? Uh, does he baptize? We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, this week the title of the message is, Does He Speak in Tongues? So I wanna talk about the grace of tongues, not the gift of tongues. And let me explain what I mean by that. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is distinguishing between the public gift and the private grace. Let me say it that way. He's distinguishing between a gift of tongues that needs to be interpreted and a prayer language that we all can pray in, every believer can pray in a prayer language to the Lord. And so I'm gonna show that to you in scripture. Now let me give you a little bit of historical background because there's a phrase that's used a lot today that I personally don't like the phrase. I don't like uh, the way it's used sometimes. Sometimes it's not used this way, but sometimes it's used in an argumentative way and I don't like that. And that is there's a phrase have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues? The initial evidence of speaking in tongues, and, and then they kept adding words, and now sometimes they say the physical, initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Well, let me explain. Back in 1904, there was a revival in Wales, uh, which we call the Welsh Revival now. This revival spread to America. And in 1906, it really broke out. It broke out in several places, but it really broke out, probably the most famous, uh, in Azu on Azusa Street, or we call it Azusa Street. Actually, it was first, before it moved to Azusa Street, it was in a home on Bonnie Bray Street. Now, I only say that because if you've ever been driving in LA, you may have seen Bonnie Bray or Azusa Street. They're very well-known streets in Los Angeles. And these people began praying for a revival. They were praying for a move of God, a move of the Spirit of God, and many began to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And uh, William Seymour began to preach about that speaking in tongues was the initial experience that believers in Acts received when they received the Holy Spirit. It's the initial experience. But there began to be some criticism, and some of these believers began to be ostracized from uh, mainline denominations. And because of that, it seemed like a spirit of debate then began to break out on both sides. And once that spirit of debate broke out, they began to say it is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there began to be kind of a, uh, you have it or you don't have it, and I can judge whether or not you have it by if you speak in tongues or not. And then there began to be, uh, it seemed like uh, it's, it, in every revival, in every revival, it seems like this happens. It seems like somehow the enemy's trying to get a foothold in to stop this revival. This revival, by the way, 
the Assembly of God denomination started out of this revival. The United Pentecostal Church started out of this revival. The Church of God in Christ started out of this revival, that denomination. So four denominations, actually, we know for sure, started out of this uh, revival. By the way, Pentecostal or charismatic um, people uh, are the second largest group of Christians in the world, second only to the Catholic Church, but it's the fastest growing group of Christians in the world. 500 million right now Christians claim to be either Pentecostal or charismatic or believe in the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's amazing what God's done simply from some of these revivals that have been all over the world and from this revival um, that was at Azusa Street. Now, when this began to happen, that's when I think they begin to put pressure on people. Here, here's the thing. Let me say it this way. It's as if tongues became a demand rather than a desire. And that's what bothers me about sometime the spirit that's presented behind that statement is that it's presented as a demand rather than a desire. You know, that one of our elders even talks about how his uh, grandfather, you know, wanted them, his grandsons to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues that he, you know, he just kind of, you know, you, you can't leave the altar, you know, until you speak in tongues. Well, um, this, um, uh, one of our elders, he, uh, that he was telling this story, uh, he had been on the mission field and he had learned to, you know, speak Japanese. And so he um, finally, you know, was getting hungry and, uh, you know, so he spoke Japanese and uh, his grandfather was just about to, you know, praise the Lord, he's got it. And his father said, no, that's Japanese, you know. So anyway, he got in trouble for it. But, <laughs> but here's the point. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have experienced, you know, we're not going to let you go until you say something. So you, you know, say something like, you know, Shiro to Honda, not a Kawasaki, you know, just to get, let him, <laughs> just, you know, just let me go, you know, let me go, you know. So, um, but that's, that's not the point. You see, let me say it another way. Most of us here have grown up where either this gift or the gifts were not used or were abused. Very few people have grown up in a balanced theological structure where the gifts were freely used according to Scripture. That's the problem. You see what I'm saying? So most of us, it, with me, the gifts were not used when growing up. But some of you, the gifts were abused when you were growing up. So we want to talk about uh, speaking in tongues, all right? So here's the first thing I want to tell you about it. Number one, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the Spirit, and I want you to notice these words, in the Spirit. Very important, those three words, because we're going to see those. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I want you to notice a few things. First of all, let me comment on in the Spirit. He says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for in the Spirit. So, speaking in tongues is speaking in the Spirit. That's what he's saying. I mean, it's very clear. He who speaks in a tongue is speaking in the Spirit. Now, remember those three words, in the Spirit. All right? They're very important. And he says he is speaking not to men, but to God. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 is helping the Corinthian church understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit and understand the difference between the public use and the private use. That's what he's trying to help them understand. So there are many, many times in here where he's trying to say, but when you come together publicly... See, they were coming together publicly and so you'd walk up to someone and say, you know, how you doing? And they'd start speaking in tongues to you. 
because they thought they were supposed to and you were supposed to get the interpretation. And so he was saying, you don't, don't do that. They, they can't understand you. That's where he says in here, if a, you know, if a trumpet uh, makes an uncertain sound, how will people know together for battle? I, I'd much rather you, when you get together, that you speak five words that you can understand than 10,000 words that you can't understand. So he's clarifying, again, between a, a public gift and a private grace, I should say. We should say it that way. Remember the word charisma means gifts of grace. All right, so because of that, he's saying, he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. So this is a prayer, all right? I just wanna start with that, a prayer. Now, look down at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, now that's very important, that right there, because that tells us, according to the Bible, you can pray in a tongue. And Paul is saying, if I pray in a tongue, watch, watch what happens. My spirit prays. That's very important. We're going to come back to that. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Well, I hope you get that. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding, that would be his mind, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Now watch this. I will pray with the Spirit. Now, what would that have to be referring to? That would have to be referring to in tongues. Because he just said, if I pray in a tongue, my, I, my Spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now watch. What's the conclusion? Well, I'll pray with the Spirit. That would be in tongues. Watch. And I'll, I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, watch, he's again talking about this. If you bless, that's another word for praying. Have you ever heard the expression, let's bless the food? It means let's pray, all right? If you bless with the Spirit, that would be in tongues, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? Another way to talk about praying. You know, let's give thanks, all right? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For indeed, you give thanks well. In other words, you prayed well in the spirit with tongues, but the other is not edified. He's not built up or strengthened. So it's very clear here. He says, if I pray in tongues. Now, I just want you to think about who's saying this. The greatest apostle who ever lived prayed in tongues. The greatest apostle who ever lived who wrote one-third of the New Testament, that's one-third more than you wrote, <laughs> said, if I pray in tongues. And you say, well, he said, if. We, we don't know he prayed in tongues. He said, if. Uh, look at verse 18. Verse 18, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he not only did it, he did it a lot. This is in the Bible. <laughs> I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of you. All right. So he says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding's unfruitful. So here's what he's saying. What's the conclusion? I'll pray with the spirit. That's got to be referring to in tongues. And I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing with the spirit and I'll sing with my understanding. See, it, there's just no way that we can say that that doesn't refer to tongues because it's so clear that it does. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you about it. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. I told you, number one, it's scriptural, and we're going to see more scripture on it. That's not all. But here's number two. It's a benefit. Look at verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The word edify means builds up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, remember, again, what, what's he doing in 1 Corinthians 14? He's trying to explain to them 
the difference between private use and public use. That's what he's trying to explain. And so we have this conjunction that's translated but. Uh, this, this word that's translated but is in the New Testament 2,792 times. Okay, I counted this last week through my Bible program. <laughs> 2,792 times. But it's not always translated but. As a matter of fact, most of the time it's translated and. It's up to, the, to the, those, the, the translator how they want to translate this. Most of the time it's translated and. So listen to me. Clearly. By the way, sometimes it's translated and then. And then. And, and one time in, a, in some newer versions, or several times in newer versions, it's translated on the other hand. On the other hand. So think about this. Here's what he's saying. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And he who prophesies edifies the church. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. On the other hand, he who prophesies edifies the church. See? Now, you say, well, it says, though, he edifies himself. Okay, listen, though. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with building yourself up? When you pray with your understanding, you build yourself up, right? When you read the Bible, you build yourself up. There's nothing wrong with building yourself up. Matter of fact, let me read you. Oh, no, I don't want to go to that scripture. All right. Yeah, I do. All right. Flip to Ephesians 6. He who... Speaks in a tongue, builds himself up. In other words, do this in private. You're going to build yourself up. He who prophesies builds the church up. Do that in public. You're going to build the church up. All right? So uh, Ephesians 6, how many of you ever heard of the, the armor of God? You ever heard of that? Put on the whole armor of God. Twice it says the whole. It uses the word whole. Put on the whole armor of God. All right? Look, look at this. Ephesians 6 verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It's possible that we're in an evil day right now. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having, notice all the I-N-G words, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking, notice the I-N-G again, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying, look, it's the same sentence, now watch, watch carefully, praying always with all prayer and supplication, excuse me, in the Spirit. Wait a minute, what is that, what is that according to 1 Corinthians 14? That's praying in tongues. Paul said if a, if a person speaks in tongues, he's speaking in the Spirit. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, therefore I will pray with or in. By the way, with or in could be translated either way. Either way. This word that's translated with sometimes is translated in many, many times. It's about half, six one way, half a dozen the other. So in the spirit, with the spirit. I'll pray with the spirit. I'll pray in the spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. I'm going to do the same thing. Then he says, listen, you need to put on the armor of God. You've got an enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. You've got to put on the armor of God. You've got to put on the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. And you've got to have your waist girdled up with truth. And you've got to pray always in the spirit. There it is. I wonder how many believers don't put on the whole armor of God. Because they don't know about it. All right, let me just show you another scripture. Um, read it to you. Jude 20, Jude verse 20 says, but you beloved, 
building yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. What? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. It's not just in 1 Corinthians. It's in Ephesians and in Jude. You want to build yourself up? Pray in the Spirit. That's what he says. It's scriptural. And it's a benefit because it builds us up. Uh, years ago, years ago, over 20-something years ago, I was uh, in a Southern Baptist church during a revival, a Southern Baptist pastor, and they had led the Southern Baptist Convention in baptisms. And I'm in his church, and uh, I found out that he prayed in tongues. And that was a, a little uh, alarming to me. And so I said to him, um, I, I hear that uh, you uh, pray in tongues. And he said, yes. And I said, well, um, can you tell me why you pray in tongues? And very simply, here's what he said. He, he looked at me kind of like, why would you even ask? He said to me, well, the Bible says it builds you up. The Bible says it builds you up. Just like that. And, and I've thought about that since then. What, what a simple answer. I mean, it was almost, he didn't, he didn't say it like this at all. But, you know, why, why do you pray in tongues? It's almost like, well, stupid. <laughs> the Bible says it builds you up. Why, why would you not do something that the Bible says builds you up? And then he said to me, and I figure I need all the building up I can get. Well, I figure that too now. <laughs> is there anyone here, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I've just got all the building up I need. I just don't need any more of this building up stuff. I, I have been built up as much as any person can be built up. If the Bible says it builds you up, why would you not do it? Well, let me tell you why most believers don't, because they don't understand point number three. Point number three is it's a choice. It's a choice. In other words, you choose whether you pray in the Spirit or not. Uh, back in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, Paul said, for if I pray in tongues, if I pray in tongues, here's, he did not say, if the Holy Spirit comes on me and puts me in a trance and I uncontrollably start speaking in tongues to everybody around me. He didn't say that. He said, if I pray, Acts chapter two says, and when the Holy Spirit came on them and they began, they began to speak in tongues. In other words, it's like anything else we yield to the Holy Spirit. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You, you realize it's by faith? That, that's what it is. You say, well, um, it, it, it just sounds like gibberish to me. Well, yeah, let me tell you what it actually sounds like. It sounds like when your kids started talking. That no child here, no child began immediately speaking with perfect diction. No, none of them. They, they all started, you know, with just a few little, I have a, an 18-month-old grandson right now. And yesterday he was doing like this to me. He was telling me, ba da ba 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 da ba I said, really? ba da ba 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 da ba And he's just talking to me. He's telling me something, but I don't have the gift of interpretation. <laughs> His mother does, I've noticed. She knows exactly what he wants. When, when, when James was young, I remember, he, when he was learning to talk, he would say, he would deal, he'd go like, ba da ba ba just like that, ba 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 ba. You know, we'd be at the table eating, yeah, ba 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 ba, like that. And Josh would say he wants some more corn.
And so I, I would think, no, I think he wants more potatoes. And I'd pass pay. He'd go, ah! <laughs> ah! So I'd pass the corn over. He, he, you know, like that. Uh, you know how kids, he, he, you know. And Josh would go, told you. <laughs> James, speaking in tongues. Josh had the gift of interpretation. <laughs> but you do it by faith. Do you realize that you pray in English by faith? You're in a room, you're all by yourself, you're talking. People walk by. Who's in there with him? No one. <laughs> Who's he talking to? I don't know. He just goes in that room and talks. He says, sometimes I feel like it's not getting past the ceiling, but you do it anyway. Why? Because the Bible says to. You do it by faith. So why would you pray in the Spirit? Because the Bible says to. You do it by faith. The Bible says it builds you up. Are, are y'all following me? But it's a choice. Listen, you literally have to yield to the Holy Spirit. Don't worry that if you yield, you say, okay, I will open myself. Do not worry that one day you're going to be in Kroger's. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're going to grab the intercom and start speaking in tongues. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. You want to know why? Because you can control it. You can, it's a choice. It is a choice. It, listen, when you leave today, when you leave today, I tell you what is probably not going to happen. You're probably not going to walk, when you're leaving, walk by one of the offering boxes and a check jump out of your pocket into the offering box. And you'll say, oh, look, I have the gift of giving. <laughs> That's great. I've been praying for that gift. And I have, I have the gift of giving. It just, it just popped out of me. No, you're going to have to take your checkbook out before you leave and write a large check. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about the gift of giving. Let's go all the way here. And put it in the box, right? Okay, listen to me. If you're going to pray in the Spirit, you're going to have to open your mouth and start talking in a language you don't know. By faith. You're going to have to cooperate with God. Now, let me just clarify one other thing about this. Um, there's this rumor, it seems, and I know who started it. It was obviously Satan going around. You know, you, you better be careful because you don't want to get a demon. You know, you, you, don't want to, you don't want to do something and get a demon. Now, after years of growing in this, I think, how could I have ever believed that? But I did. I remember thinking that. I don't, I don't want to get something bad. Yeah, you ever heard that? I don't want to get something bad. Let me ask you something. Do you really believe that God would do that to you? Do you believe he's, he, that he'd just play a trick on you? I mean, do you believe that in sincerity, you pray, God, please, God, I, I want to, I want my spirit to pray. I want to pray in, in a prayer language. Lord, I want to. And the Lord's up there going, hee, hee, here's a demon. <laughs> I mean, do you really believe that? Think about it. How could we ever believe something like that? And, and by the way, did you know Jesus actually answered that? I mean, he actually answered that. Let, let, me, let me just read this to you. Remember when we read about serpents and scorpions and what they re, that they represent demons? In Luke chapter 10. I mean, we saw it. We saw it in the Bible. All right, now watch this. In Luke 11, verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, now watch, will he give him a serpent? You think you're going to ask me for something good and I'd give you a demon? Instead of a fish, or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 
Isn't that amazing? Jesus uses these terms, serpents and scorpions, in the very next chapter after Luke 10 where he explains to them what serpents and scorpions are. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, watch, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's like Jesus said, you know, one day, Satan's going to make up a doctrine that, that you'd get a demon if you pray for the Holy Spirit. And it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but I'm, I'm going to address it. It's crazy. And let me tell you my, my own experience in this. When we heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we'd heard for years about it, but we really weren't convinced, Debbie and I, scripturally, that it was a valid experience subsequent to salvation or after salvation. You know, we don't have any problem believing that water baptism is after salvation, but we seem to have a problem believing spirit baptism is after salvation. And so we didn't really understand it. And, and when we joined Shady Grove Church years ago, Pastor Olin Griffin taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that night, Debbie and I, were, we were convinced because he showed it scripturally all through the Bible. And so we, we asked them to pray for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, when they prayed for Debbie, she had some, some words, just some syllables, that she, and she just spoke them out. She said, I just felt like I just had to speak these syllables that I didn't know. When they prayed for me, I had something rise up in me as well, but it, it was like I, I had these words going through my mind about the church needs to be holy. We need to be holy and righteous. And, and so Brother Olin said, do, do you feel like you want to say something? I said, I do. He said, well, just say it. So I just said, we, we've got to be a holy people. We've got to be righteous. And I just, yeah, I prophesied. Acts 19 says, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Well, a couple of months later, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, one morning we were getting ready for church and, and Debbie had this kind of silly grin on her face, you know? And I remember thinking, oh, what is she grinning about? So I said to her, what, what are you grinning about? She said, oh, nothing. I said, no, really, what are you grinning about? She said, well, I, I don't want to embarrass you. And of course, I'm thinking, well, now you got to, you know, tell me, you know? I said, so what, what are you grinning about? She said, well, last night I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and went in the living room and read my Bible. And then I came back in. And when I came back in, I, well, I heard you. And I said, you heard me? Heard me what? She said, speaking in tongues. I said, what? She said, yeah, I heard you speaking in tongues last night. And I remember saying to her, are you making this up? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? She said, no, I, why, would I, why would I kid you about, why would I make that up, you know? No, that's, you, were, you were speaking in tongues. I said, well, how long did I do it? She said, oh, a long time. <laughs> now, here's what I figured out since then. I was so hard-headed that my spirit had to wait until my body went to sleep to pray. <laughs> It was like my spirit was like, okay, okay. Okay, he's asleep. Let's all pray. <laughs> and so I went to my pastor, Pastor Olin, and I said, I told him the experience. I remember what he said. Here's what he said. He said, oh yeah, that happens to a lot of hard-headed people. <laughs> Very encouraging. <laughs> he said, you probably just built up a stronghold in your mind against it. I had, like some of you. So he said, here's what you need to do. When you're alone, when you're alone, you don't need to be embarrassed in front of people or something, but when you're alone and you're in your quiet time or you're in, and you've got worship CD going or something, you're just in your time with God, you're reading the Bible or something, you know, well, just, just open your mouth and just start praying in a language you don't know. Just trust God. Just trust him. Just like you do everything else. You trust him in other things, trust him in this. So I did. 
And I remember we got back together the next week and he said, well, are, are you doing it? And I remember, I don't know why I just, I just said to him, yeah, but I don't feel anything. I just wanted to make sure he knew, you know, yeah, I don't feel anything though. He said, that's okay. That's okay. Just keep doing it. Just do it in faith. Just like you might not feel anything when you tithe, but you do it anyway. Just do it anyway. So I did. Well, a few months went by and one morning I was praying, I was traveling and speaking somewhere. And so I was uh, out by a, a swimming pool out in a courtyard of a hotel. And no one was out there. It was, it was kind of cool that morning. And I was just walking around that swimming pool praying. And I remember it was different. It was like I was just, just really praying anointed prayers that morning. I just really sensed the anointing on my prayers. And then I just had the thought, you ought, you ought to just pray in the Spirit. And I remember I started praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, it just took off. It was different. It was a language. I mean, it was, and I could have stopped. Sure, I could have. It wasn't uncontrollable, but there was such a flow. It was just flowing, and I just began, I remember I was walking back and forth, and I was, like I was preaching, I was doing this, and of course, I don't know what anyone thought that saw, looked out the window, but you know, I was just doing like this, and I was just preaching away, and I went for a long time just, just praying in the Spirit. And I remember thinking, that's what they're talking about. That's the anointing. That's allowing my spirit to pray. Now, it's very, very important that we understand. This is scriptural. It's scriptural and it's a benefit. Here's what Paul said, another scripture. I wish all of you did. I wish all of you did. Well, I want to say something as your pastor. I wish all of you did. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I wish that you would do something that's scriptural and that would build you up? Why wouldn't I wish that? I wish all of you prayed in the spirit. But it's not going to just pop out of you one day. You're going to have to Open your mouth, start speaking syllables that you don't know, and trust by faith that your spirit is praying through you. And let God build you up. Let him do it. He will. I promise you.